it's not that Ricochet can talk. If he was born anywhere else but Kentucky, he'd feel comfortable talking. But he was born where he was born, so he didn't talk too much because he I knew mean, if Apollo he did. Apollo Crews never said anything interesting until he got the Nigerian accent either. So, but Apollo Crews could always say things interesting. But keep in mind, again, we got to go back to the original point. This is a company that micromanages every word that you say, except for a couple talents. So it, the the onus was never on Apollo Crews. The onus is not on a lot of these dudes. It's like, hey man, no. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah I want to do no, an they, accent. Again, and- one of the guys they gave the mic to and then back in the in NXT and it was a very mixed results. I was there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah uh, guess what? Same thing with Roman Reigns. That didn't stop him from doing nothing. Like, <laughs> this guy put, cut, fair, cut suffer, and suck, suffer and suck attach. This man, cut, again, I, because oh, you go back to it, that man cut terrible promos for half a decade. Y'all not about to say nothing to me. I reject the premise. I reject the premise. I reject a premise that fails that now you say since it's presented correctly, it wipes clean all that stuff beforehand. You can't lie to me about history. They're going to sit there and tell you January 6th didn't happen neither in another year. So I, I don't fall for that neither. So I reject <laughs> the premise outright. gentlemen we welcome you in our recorded glory to give me the book your favorite wrestling podcast and the greatest wrestling podcast in the world happy 2022 uh we are here once again my name is Mikhail Aloy but you can call me Mike and with me as always the El Guapo of stand-up comedy and professional wrestling commentary. Satoyo, back at you guys once again. We hope that you have had a good holiday season, uh, no matter what type of uh, thing that you ascribe to for the holidays, so long as it is not fascism. We hope you had a good one. That's right. Again, hope everybody stayed safe out there. We are proud to present to you as part of the Jizz Village uh, media family. Come <laughs> straight to your ears. Yes. yes. Um, so, uh, again, a lot of wrestling. We had a myriad of wrestling to go through. Um, not even sure whether we want to begin with it because there was so much. So I'll just ask, Satoyo, you know, in, uh, in the first 11 days of 2022, what has stood out to you from the world of wrestling, good or bad? Um, what has stood out to me in the world of professional wrestling, good or bad? Uh, a couple things. I, I don't think they're necessarily good. Uh, number one, I think it would be uh, the the very predicted uh, sort of downfall of Big E and his monumental first WWE title run that was an abject failure, but it was an abject failure because it was not meant to be a success and it was not booked to be a success. Um, so there's, it doesn't matter how good your work rate is if the company's not doing the right thing to support you. Uh, then it, it, it just isn't going to work out. I can say this about Biggie's first title run. At least it was better than CM Punk's first world uh, heavyweight title run. That's that's really about it. One of the more underwhelming, and uh, it was shocking in its predictability 
and uh, absolutely did him no favors. He could have just held on to that briefcase for longer and uh, they could have done something really monumentous with it, but they did not, which I said from the beginning, since they chose not to do it, it would be a mistake. I said throughout all of this, they are being half pregnant. They are not committing to him. They are consistently making him look uh, weaker as a champion. And they've only solidified that this past Monday night, even though he doesn't even have the goddamn title no more. They solidified that tremendously. On the other end, um, uh, Battle of the Belts, which was uh, uh, AEW Dynamites, they, since they can't uh, use Clash of the Champions because that's WWE bought and paid for and owned, they did Battle of the Belts. I was very excited for Battle of the Belts, and all I can say is they'll get them next time because uh, <laughs> first one, this first one wasn't it. And I know, but but again, I do think it's cool uh, for a couple. I think there were some cool things. Uh, one, I thought Ricky Starks versus Matt Seidel had an excellent match. However, no one believed Matt Seidel would win until the match was actually going underway. So, so it's like Matt Seidel kind of deserves more, but he showcased appropriately, but you have to give them something. Uh, I thought they had a very, very good match. Uh, hey, like I said before, Sammy Guevara ain't it. <laughs> so it just, just isn't. So sorry. Uh, but I do like the fact that they did create an interim uh, TNT champion. I do like that. We have seen that in the past. WWE has done that in the past. Uh, NWA, WCW has done that in the past. So to bring that aspect back when the current champion is unable to compete, you do create an interim title. It does happen in real sports. And Britt Baker and Riho had their match. So, you know, um, I, I do predict that Battle of the Belts will be better. It kind of seemed thrown together. Um, so, you know, you have those types of results. Uh, a, a bright spot in there is, is New Japan having a three-day Wrestle Kingdom. I really hope that does not lead to a three-day WrestleMania but what I can say is that hopefully uh, with everything that Japan's going through and the moves that New Japan is making, I thought they put on a pretty uh, a pretty good uh, Wrestle Kingdom, all considering and bringing in uh, Pro Wrestling Noah there for the third day was kind of cool. Never thought that I would see Keiji Muto in a New Japan ring again. And I probably won't after uh, day three, but I was happy that it happened. There are a lot to address here, a lot for me to kind of, you know, give my thoughts on. Um, mm -hmm. I think we'll start from the top. I do think, uh, as is usually the case with me, you disagree. It's not necessarily about the the, the, the whole thing. It's about the degrees of, of statements. I don't, I think the point of making Big E champion, I think that was accomplished, was essentially to say in the future, they can introduce him as a future champion. Um, I think they have accomplished that. I think he did that they having won the championship allowed him to do and uh, gain a little bit more of a mainstream following for himself and, and elevate his status. Again, he was everywhere when he was a champion, at least mainstream-wise, regardless of how bad his WWE booking was, which I don't think one in good faith can argue was good, but, and I'm not going to. Um, I do think at a certain point, WWE understood, hey, this guy's again, we accomplished what we wanted to. This guy was a champion. It's on his resume. Going forward for, you know, however long he remains with the company as a, as a full-time performer, we can always slide him in um, uh, in the slot as, as, a, as a challenger for the title because he's a former champion, right? Like that elevates you up a certain, uh, on a certain ladder, right? And we've seen that, and WWE has done it multiple times, right? When they have tournaments, when they have elimination chambers, how do we come up with these guys? They are all former champions. So I do think it has elevated him just by virtue, not necessarily with virtue of how good the title was, just by virtue of being a champion. Also, just give him a chance to headline a few shows. Again, as we know, in the, in the world of entertainment, having said that you can headline a major show like Survivor Series, in the Big E's case, 
that is just something that you, you know, once you do it now that you are officially a headliner and that's what Biggie has become. Uh, he's a headliner. Um, was he protected at all during his title run? No. Was he being protected at all now? No, clearly not. He's now being built. Uh, he's being used to build to the stars that WWE cares more about and to be fair, has invested more in. Um, I will say this, and I don't, do not know if this makes me again a WWE show. I think, I think this is a fair point. I am genuinely excited about the moves they're making in the main event scene. I am genuinely excited that we're getting uh, Brock Lesnar versus uh, Bobby Lashley on Raw and we're getting Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. Even if it was, especially the latter match, had been thrown in somewhat randomly. Uh, but they still have, uh, I believe, what, two editions of SmackDown? Three. Is my math off? Three editions of SmackDown, I believe, to tell that story and to kind of build on it, which I'm excited about. And again, the match doesn't have to end. If this match ends in the schmas, I'm actually okay with it, right? I'm talking about Roman versus Seth because there's just a big story to tell there, right? They're both, uh, you know, two of the, the, the most important performers who obviously have a shared past and who just are absolutely nailing it as 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 performers, both as heels, as a matter of fact. So uh, I'm interested to see where that story goes. On the Raw side, of course, Bobby Lashley and um, versus Brock Lesnar is a dream match. Uh, and they're both again presented kind of in one of with Brock. He has had so many good versions of himself. This is one of his best ones as a babyface. And Bobby, of course, is operating on top of his game as well, has been all year long. Um, in regards to the AEW, I agree with you. I, I my explanations for Bell, Bell were not that high to be honest with you. I know you probably have more association of Clash of Champions and more memories watching that show as a kid. And that's probably why your expectations were a little bit higher. For me, this was, and that's all I treated as, uh, an episode of Rampage with a little bit more stakes. And the wrestling was solid, so I can't be mad at anything. Um, I mean, I, you know, no, nobody ever expects Matt Seidel to win anything because that's not really, again, that's not really his booking. He is the last-minute opponent you call for a good match. Um, Reho Baker, um, it was solid. Uh, again, I think... The, which is good. I mean, I think we're at the point where Brookmaker's having solid matches and nobody's surprised. That's good. That's an improvement for where she was a year ago. So uh, congrats to her. And again, I actually enjoyed the uh, Dustin versus um, Sammy Guevara match. A lot, a lot of people did. A lot of people enjoyed that match. And I'm, a lot I'm of people sure. are allowed to be incorrect. because I'm, I'm sure the, the Canadian destroyer through a table made you very upset. Uh, yes. Yes, but but it does. But it's cool to see Dustin do cool things. Um, right. I will give this. I'll give the match this. It's the most I've ever seen Sammy Guevara sell anything. Yes, so right. you know, so I can't. I can't take that away from him. So he's he's got that at least. Yeah, and again, I think I think it speaks to Dustin. I just think this was one of the better Sammy Guevara matches. And I think uh, again, uh, Sammy Guevara he can bump. I know he's selling his work, but he can the the way he bumped for those uh, crossroads. Uh, and and I love the back to back crossroads spot as well. Uh, again, I genuinely enjoyed it. It was actually better than I expected it to be. Um, so yeah, so no major uh, uh, issues with that. If anything, the, the the biggest issue I have with AEW title uh, switch this week, it will be the tag team titles uh, switching completely randomly and seemingly for now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there a story that I missed there? Like I think it was no, just randomly. No, I think I think it was treated like an athletic competition between the defending champions and the ranked number one contenders, which is which does then say it is not random at all. They're just actually going by the rankings, which more often than not they should be following. 
Absolutely, but I think there was a story to tell there, right? This is Jungle Boy, one of your biggest baby faces, winning his first title. I mean, we, this is the boy who dream come true, right? Um, you know, the guy who is the first to 50, 60 wins and yet never won a big one. This is it. This is him finally winning a big one. And the fact they did it so randomly, uh, I just, I, I, I thought you, it wasn't necessarily that it was bad. It just, it could have been done a lot better, in my opinion. And I, and, and I can understand why you would feel that way. Why I would say I wouldn't put too much emphasis on that is because, Historically, within professional wrestling, <clears throat> whenever you've had those tremendous buildups, those vignettes, those packages where we sit there and we talk about this is my time to win the big one and conquer the thing. And yeah, sometimes it, it, you sometimes you get that Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 12 moment with the boyhood dream and you build it up while shitting on the champion the entire time. Sometimes you do have that. More often than not, however, what you have is, is that you have the contenders sitting there talking about some, and this has got to be my moment. I've been waiting for this for so long, and I've worked five years, 10 years, 15, 25 years for this moment. And if you think that I'm going to let anything stop me now, and then guess what? Something stops them. <laughs> we, saw it just, right. we saw we just, it just, we just saw with Liv Morgan. That's right. Yeah, we just saw it with Liv Morgan. We just saw it with Matt Cardona. So it, it, that's, a, that's a weird foreshadow. It, it, it's a weird little trope that pro wrestling gives us that oftentimes means we're going in the wrong direction or the champion is somehow going to crush the dreams of this baby face who then we are supposed to then continue believing in going forward happened to Al Snow versus Shane Douglas in ECW when Shane's arm was mangled and everyone was convinced that Al Snow was going to win. And then all of a sudden I don't know where Shane wins and the entire audience is like, I'm sorry. What was, <laughs> you know, so so I, so I do understand how they could have done the vignettes and everything. They've given Jungle Boy a bit of that. I do believe that had they not had that terrible injury that happened in the match, the moment would have slapped a lot harder. Uh, but, you know, sometimes in pro wrestling, that, that thing happens. It, it does. Um, again, we, we, by the way, the, the arm break was not a non-break, thank God. It, it was yeah. just a, it was a separation, I believe, that was, the, was the term. Or... It was just it was just Ray Phoenix's body doing some shit that it had no business <laughs> doing. But that's what we can say about it. every time we see Ray Phoenix that's true. compete. I'm, I'm so happy that he's like not totally jammed up. At the same time, I see that man be doing things all the time. I'm like, why, why, why would a body even do something like that? Even when it's like dope, I'm just like, why would a body do that? Why? Yeah, and at some point, man, and I don't want to be that guy, but at some point, AW, I think it's just got to scale back because, again, we had two more Canadian destroyers in that match yeah. where the uh, chokes them through the table. And it's like, this is not a hardcore match. This is just a tag team match, man. Yeah, you guys got to just, just chill out. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and I listen, I don't. Yeah, you got to you can relax. You can just choke slam him like yeah. on the ground. That's like totally because then that's less shit for him to have to fall through. Um, and a I'm sorry, a choke slam on the ground is devastating, especially mm -hmm. from Luchasaurus. Look at Luchasaurus. Look at Ray Phoenix. I think you just do a nice choke slam on the ground outside, then you still have the desired outcome. You didn't need to do it through a uh, through a table, and you know. But I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like the fact that AEW has protected the DQ, um, protect them chairs too. Just a little bit. I. I don't know, man. AEW is becoming more and more like ECW, but with rankings, I guess. Like, dude, there's just been a lot. It's been a lot of blood. It's been a lot of uh, of, of non-DQ matches, essentially. I mean, where, you know, of course, there's no disqualifications, but, like, that's because referees just don't call DQ for anything. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I think you... Fine, but it just, it just it's, it's not where I saw this company going. It, just, it's, it's, it caught me a little bit off guard, I guess. 
Well, I think that we have to remember that, especially with, I wouldn't put that on ECW. Blood used to be far more common in professional wrestling. ECW was kind of just like, I, even AEW is not doing anything close to what ECW was doing. Like we, they, they just aren't like ECW was totally different. You had crazy thing. You had Rob Van Dam flying into the audience. You know, you had whole ass like, like real death matches. You had the audience throwing chairs yeah. into the ring while, yeah, you had new Jack, like nothing is comparable, but there was a period of time where it was not uncommon to bleed. Now, historically WWE was uh i wouldn't even say they protected that aspect a lot more they kind of were anti it um especially once vince took over but there's been you know like blood in pro wrestling is is fairly common hasn't been the last 20 years i hope aew is taking all the proper medical precautions with that type of stuff you know with to check in on that because while i i i think it can add to a match i don't think it's necessary in every match but when done appropriately, it's very, very good. I think a good example of that is Hangman versus Daniel Brian Danielson uh, because they, they had already beat the living hell out of each other. So for them to continue doing that, I thought that that was very good. But also what AEW does do is that they are, I mean, we got to see Hangman versus Danielson part two on TV, and it was better than part one, which mm-hmm. is saying something tremendous. And it, it's Brian Danielson starting off 2022 like he started off like like he ended like um, the being the best and putting over uh, AEW's like quote unquote homegrown talent and putting that finish over clean as hell, which it, it should be done. And I do think that there are points in times where the DQ has to be protected. But yes, to your point, though, the referees do need a little bit more legitimacy for some of the tomfoolery that goes on, especially during the tag team matches. However, having already said that, the five count within the tag team matches when both wrestlers are in the ring, that's dead. We need to let it die. I've watched WWE TV. It's the same thing. I'm just like, okay, y'all just be in the ring then. Y'all just stay in here. So this is a thing that I have to let go because apparently y'all are telling me to grow up. So fine. Yeah, uh, just to, to to pick up the point, uh, I, I did think the Hangman uh, Daniel Bryan match. I think everybody agrees this was the the better match, which is absolutely saying something. Already, one of a match is going to be tough uh, in the in in the contender for match of the year, which I know we're only eleven days into the year, but it's actually saying something, given all the great matches we've seen so far. Uh, I thought I love the change in the story where the story of the first match was Hangman essentially surviving like Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan for 40 minutes and then, and then, you know, clawing and fighting back. In this case, he's actually kind of dominates the match, right? He's yes. much more athletically impressive. He's much stronger. He overpowers Daniel Bryan. He outsmarts him. He is more aggressive than him. Bryan tries to, you know, tame him with his technical expertise, but ultimately, you know, he falls to the, the box Lariat. I thought it was a great story. I thought you can see the progression. You can see basically Hangman becoming better wrestler wrestler who mm-hmm. understands how to use his physical tools better and that's a story well told in in just two matches so i thought they did a brilliant job um and again just an excellent excellent way to establish your uh baby face who again who the the crowd might you know especially the hardcore fans love and appreciate but a lot of people are still you know getting familiar with him so just an excellent job done by aw there uh, let's touch on, uh, you know, when we talk about excellent wrestling, let's touch on uh, New Japan, the Wrestling Kingdom. Uh, as you mentioned, I thought both uh, uh, main events on night one and two, both uh, title matches were absolutely excellent. 
I thought the second night, I think that's so far probably my match of the year. Um, mm-hmm. Not as good as maybe Jay White versus Cody Bushi from last year's, but I thought Okada, Will Ospreay, I thought this was by far the best Will Ospreay match I've ever seen. Easily, uh, easily. I mean, yes, easily, he, yeah, he, he's excellent. This was excellent Will Ospreay match where I think even if you are like me and you and we can kind of roll our eyes at some of the flippy shit, I think he sold. I think he delivered. I think he looked tough. Um, and I thought, and this was, you know, every New Japan match has this like ending sequence that in the main event usually lasts longer, usually lasts like five minutes of just back and forth counters. This match, I think it lasted for like 15 minutes of just like nonstop, but still we're done with proper selling. Like I want to yes. be that clear. They both look exhausted and, and beaten down at certain points, but just the counters and again, the technical excellence of both uh, Okada and Velocity cannot be overstated. I was just extreme again in a, in a myriad of good wrestling we've seen this match kind of stood out to me it was just as, as a holy shit um and they did this was a better match than than shingo uh versus okada and i'm saying that as one of the as a huge shingo fan after an excellent match that they had the night before yeah, yeah i think and this is and again i want to make very clear here like all credit to shingo and him his title i do actually hope he gets another crack at it Quite frankly, I think he did more than represented the company well, more than represented in establishing, actually, I guess, this iteration of the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, even though for the record, it was considered a world title for decades prior to this. They just put a new thing in there. It's always been considered that. You guys let Kota Ibushi get away with too much. But having said all of that, um, I do hope he gets another crack at it because especially during this this time period, he was the constant and putting forth some amazing banner wrestling as, as well as connecting with the audience from best I can tell, even though the cultural differences being what they are. Uh, we all knew the title was going home. That's what we all knew. Like I knew when, when Okada, you know, especially the manner in which Okada won um, in the G1, which, you know, just only goes to show like the bad string of luck New Japan had more so at the top, uh, more so in the main event scene. Uh, having said that, Shingo still had an excellent match with Okada. I was pulling for Shingo tremendously, but, you know, Belt had to come home. And then uh, night two, yeah, easily the best Will Ospreay match. I think a good component of why it was the best Will Ospreay match is Will's a little physically bigger and he's coming off a broken neck. So he hopefully has to do things that are a little bit smarter um, going forward to to not so much to be like, oh, so that I can like his wrestling more, but mo- most specifically in the most important thing to mind his health. Um, so taking those beats with proper selling, he was still Will Ospreay, but you know, there were other elements in there where he's had to take more time. And I think when you were one of those guys who works on top, who can actually do things that are very impressive, those guys have the ability to take their time. Jay White, he can take his time. Tanahashi, Okada, they can take their time. Brock Lesnar, even though his matches bear never go past 15 minutes at this point, they're simple little things that he does that, you know, you just take your time with some stuff, which um, I CM Punk, take your time. Uh, Danielson, Winnie take your time. These things are very, very, very helpful. And uh, he exhibited that tremendously in what I believe is his best match. And it, it, it bodes well for him in the year that he stands to have in 2022, barring injury, hopefully. Yeah, very excited to see what's next with the United Empire. A little shocked that they went 0-3 in uh, in singles matches in the, on night two. I thought Great Khan, he's still not my cup of tea. I do yeah. think him and uh, Sonata have really good chemistry. He's an interesting cat, isn't he? Because, like, mm-hmm. you'll watch and you'll be like, this is work. Because on paper, you, I just, I'm like, I don't like 
what he gives. But then in the matches that I see him, I'm like, no, he's incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's, it's just it's like I look at a comic. It's a joke style that I just don't resonate with, but it's doing really well with this audience. So it has to have actual value. You know, it's much the way I saw Great O'Connor. And yes, not as excellent, um, but Great O'Connor was there, too. And even the match that I saw him have with Tanahashi, um, you know, while back, it was like, I mean, Tana's making this work. And but Great O'Connor is there, too, playing his part to a T. I think he has the new gimmick that they added to him where now he he kind of wrestles his opponent's style i think it's really good with sonata because low-key he's very athletic he's very athletic and he's very technical so when he doesn't do that jokey mongolian chops and all the weird thing that that's part of his character which is why i believe the tanahashi match i don't know if that's the same one you're talking about but the tanahashi match from last year's wrestling kingdom didn't work for me at all that was my first time seeing him and i'm like who the hell is this Ken? what is he doing with these mongolian chops Seeing him now with Sanada and they actually go back and forth and, you know, on the, the drop kicks that he can do and the power stems. I'm like, oh, this guy is smooth. He's uh-huh. He's got something there. Um, Jeff Cobb and Naito had a very interesting match. I think Naito wrestling babyface, you know, get beat up for 10 minutes and then, you know, work the leg, chop down the bigger opponent and steal the win in the end. I thought that was excellent as well. So just, you know, again, I think Wrestling Kingdom... I can see why some people are disappointed in it this year. It didn't have, they maybe, you know, usually you watch Wrestling Kingdom, you expect it to produce two, three match of the year candidates. Uh, I didn't know if it did that this year, but I still think it was good. I mean, they put together a really good wrestling show. And I think ultimately that's all you can ask for. Yeah, I think, I mean, to me, in terms of the pay per views so far that have happened this year, I mean, it's like for me, it's hard to kill in Wrestle Kingdom night two so far in terms of like that I've just objectively enjoyed the most. Um, so again, New Japan has done such a tremendous job of making their Wrestle Kingdoms be such must-see TV that hey man, like you know, I, you know they still went they still went sixty-eight percent from three. It's still that's still really good. That's still like abnormally high. And from from a bell to bell perspective, I mean, still no other promotion is really doing that um, that that consistently for that period of time. So no, I agree with that. I do think we need to mention some parts of day one, the the first pay per view of the year. I do agree with you. It probably wasn't as good as uh, Wrestling Kingdom, Kingdom Night Two. Or again, I have yet to see Hard to Kill, but even just reading, uh, and we'll have more Hard to Kill next week. Again, I do apologize. There's just a lot of wrestling for us to get to. Uh, we will get to it next week. Um, but I thought day one was really enjoyable as well. For one, yes. I love Saturday pay-per-views. I love the pay-per-view on the first day of the year as you're just coming from a hangover. Uh, before disclosure, I was in Hawaii at that point. So for me, it started at 3 p.m., which is how wrestling should be. Should be. Um, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I I will say this. The the last match, uh, uh, obviously, the Usos and the New Day had one of their best matches, which is saying something, again, considering the classic rivalry. I think we can say it's one of the best tag team rivalries of all time. Like, it's up there yep. uh, with, you know, Midnight Express versus Rock and Roll Express, the Dudley Boys, Hardy Boys, uh, Edge and Christian rivalries. Like, it's up there. Um, it's where it's just, you know, two teams that all clashed throughout decades now and <laughs> always delivered the goods. Uh, but for me, the match of night was the main event for me. Uh, only eight minutes long, but man, perfectly booked. Again, sometimes it's all it needs to be. It was a big spot after big spot. Every char- Everybody, they weren't just wrestlers. They were characters who had a story to tell, and they told that story, and mm-hmm. everything made sense. Big E was, for all the, you know, the, the lack of protection he got, 
listen, he did. He looked strong. He cleared the ring of Lashley and Brock Lesnar. He hit the big ending on Bobby Lashley. Could have pinned him. Said no. I want to make a statement and pay for it as as a good baby face. Thought. I know you have a second. He looked like he looked like he looked like an idiot. He looked like a complete nutter. Look like a baby face. No, he didn't. That's how you look a strong baby face when you want to take the title off him. He could have pinned the man. Didn't want to. Nah. Not in 2022. Listen, right. Sting, my favorite wrestler of all time, but hey, man, Sting made colossal mistakes as a bit to the point that even he was like, hey, bro, you got to make me look smart because this is getting <laughs> ridiculous. In terms of that match, it was an incredibly fun match. I will sit there and say right now, if I had to choose any match to watch so far from this month, that's the match I'm going to watch. Why? It was eight minutes and 46 seconds of utter chaos. Um, and that, and, and again, yes, to, to Mike's point, um, yeah, everyone had, everyone was a character that had an agenda. Everyone looked, uh, uh, serviceable. Uh, not everyone looked good because not everyone was supposed to look good, but everyone looked serviceable. Everyone looked competent. Everyone looked like they knew how they should best be able to win except Big E. So, so that's the one thing. Uh, it also did a great deal of foreshadowing, most specifically with Bobby Lashley, uh, versus Brock Lesnar. And but but let's let's roll it back a little bit because the moment they bring in also LOL at the WWE being like, we're going to, you know, make our COVID uh, testing protocols laxer and then Roman gets COVID. Uh, don't sleep. You must remain <laughs> mega diligent out here, especially when you're a company worth billions of dollars. But uh, in the lead, I saw Brock. I was like, OK, Brock winning. <laughs> Just like Brock, Brock winning because, you know, whatever. And then it was uh, you it, watch Biggie's promo. He, that promo and that leader, he was fired up as all hell. And I said, oh, I know what it's like to be hosting. I know what it's like. I know what it's like <laughs> when my time gets cut. I know what it's like when I thought I'm doing one thing, but I'm doing the other. And yeah, you give them hell. And them motherfuckers is like, oh, my God, that was fire. You were great. That was the promo of a man who knew he was getting fucked, but did not want you to know he was getting fucked. So in that regard, it was good. But woo, I saw through it. And then you see him come out fired up as all get out. Because he knows how to fake it. And he and so it, it was excellent from top to bottom, except Biggie getting pinned. And, and here's why. Because, like I say, again, I am a person that does generally believe, hey, the wins and losses do matter. The way in which you lose matters. There's nothing wrong with losing to Brock Lesnar. That's not the issue. The issue is everything in the lead up and then everything that takes place after. So again, all you, like I've said before, all you're showing me is that Big E is just a guy with the title who can't actually beat the people that he needs to beat when the situation arises. I told y'all, listen, here's what's going to happen. He's won that title. And what's he doing? He's losing to Roman and the Usos damn near all the time. He got one win on, on one of the brothers. That's about it. Okay, then what's he going to do? He's going to go into Survivor Series and lose a match. He doesn't even need to be in. That, in fact, happens. Then... A month later, less than a month later, he's put in a position where now he's got to lose to the guy that was going to fight that guy. But that guy that he's going to lose to just lost to the guy he lost to in Saudi Arabia. So now he's got to lose to that guy. Okay, but who? if you're not going to lose to Brock, who are you going to lose to? It makes total sense to lose to Brock. Then on Monday night, him and Seth Rollins, they're going to have a match. I'm like, oh, he's eating a curb stomp tonight, boy. Again, everything beforehand, everything afterward. If you take that loss, that isolated loss to Brock Lesnar, okay, fine, whatever, man. But how do you treat him prior to that? Like shit. And you can sit there and say, well, he headlined. He was doing this thing. He was doing the media. 
Yes, all those things are important, but guess what they're sitting there saying? The title doesn't really mean anything, and who we put the title on doesn't really mean anything. It's doublespeak. When we know that's not true, because look how they treat Roman. Now you're going to have him lose to a guy that he doesn't really need to lose to. Seth Rollins can really beat anybody. Finn Balor in the back somewhere. You can bring him out. They can have a nice little 15-minute match, and then Finn eats another curb stomp. That's what y'all do with him now. You could have done that as well. But all you're sitting there showing me is not even as biggie, not even the guy, but not even the champion, like kind of. He's not even really going to be back in that center anytime soon. But, but, but to Mike's point, what they will say is, oh, no, but since we put him there, that means we can just throw him back there. And the unfortunate thing with that is that, yes, sometimes that works. Oftentimes it does not work. Um, Please look at people who they actually do protect. They do protect someone like Seth Rollins because they want to ensure that when we put him back there, it actually makes sense. So we're not having him lose or eat pins that he just doesn't need to be losing. Right. Look at, but, but you see, they don't do that for Kevin Owens. He's not that same guy. He's not that dude. And they're showing you with Big E. in all likelihood, he's not that guy. He's not that dude. Um, so I loved that match. I thought that match was a lot of fun and it told me what I felt it was telling me that, Hey man, yeah, we put the title on Big E. That doesn't mean we want to actually make him something. We, we could amend it down the line or he could amend it down the line by, you know, doing like getting just more over and being like CM Punk or Becky Lynch or whatever else. But nah, man, we did that thing because we want to be half pregnant and, and we're terminating the fetus. It's terminated. That's an pr- excellent way to, I love the way to end your rant. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I guess, I guess that's the point where I disagree with you though. The, the only thing yeah. is, I think, I think, I think being a former champion is something. Like, I mean, it's something because now that's that is the separation. Do you know what I mean? It, it's something that they can say to sit there and make it seem like, hey, this guy could win even when we all know better. Dolph Ziggler. Right. <laughs> so it's like it's one of those things that they can say, like, well, you know, you can't anytime it could be. No, Ziggler was actually hot when he won. He got concussed. And then his first match back when he wasn't concussed no more. Y'all just took the title off him and said, that's that. And then from then on, it doesn't matter what he's done. Realistically, you can sit there and continue. Oh, he's a former champion. You say that about Finn Balor all the time. I know he ain't winning nothing. You say, oh, he was the first no, universal but, but, champion. But, but, no, but, but, but Finn Balor can't headline the pay-per-view against a good opponent at a certain point. That's, and that's it. What you mean? What you mean? No, it's not. It's not. Hold on. Hold on. Five years after he won the championship. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's not him headlining. That's everything for Roman. That's just that's right. what that was. But that he, was everything for Roman. That was everything for Roman. Let's not be confused. Let us not be under some misapprehension, ladies and gentlemen. When these things, the only person that Roman is actually like, like co-headlining anything with, when that does happen, is Brock. They've said because again, really, they have no one to put the man with. That's their own indictment. That's their fault. That's their shitty development of actual stars that like you waste Big E like this when you could have actually built to something better down the line with those. I two. agree with that. And, that and, part and keep, I agree with you 100. Yeah, and keep in mind, I'm not even saying Big E should have should win when that happens. No, you can just make him a big star so that you can determine what's the best way to go. Right. You had plenty of opportunity to do that, but you don't do that. All this stuff right now, all that shit for Roman. Finn ain't had nothing to do with that. Finn was there to lose. (laughs) Finn was there to lose. They built that whole thing up for the purposes of Finn losing again to Roman. And then after the fact, acting like Finn just lost that straight up because that's what they do. So nah, Finn Balor ain't headlined nothing since he came back. 
Finn Balor is a guy that eventually, whenever he comes back from catering in the back, when he loses to Austin Theory, they can be like, Austin Theory just beat the first Universal Champion. That's what he's for, man. We know better. But you need those people too, though. And hopefully, in an attempt to make Austin Theory the next guy. I don't know if he's going to get there. To but make Austin Theory the be. next one. See, here's why, here's why I reject that. Because, because again, and it's 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 much the a bring in history for the purposes of this. If you want to do that, that's actually fine. But don't throw it away on TV like that with how much y'all pump out goddamn pay-per-views. It's the same reason that Steve Austin incorrectly walked out when they wanted him just to lose on Monday night to Brock Lesnar. He's like, I got no problem losing to the dude, but can we get some traction on this? Just don't beat, just don't beat my character on a night for nothing. Bill, give me something. Fuck. I mean, look, look, man, like. Bruh, like, you know, again, if you could have created, have even created stakes for this thing, even with Seth and Big E, you could have gotten two weeks of TV out of that to be like, hey, man, no, I want Roman. I got some I got some stuff I got to get off my chest. And then that the officials screw with it a little bit more and be like, okay, you know what? Then in two weeks, it's going to be you versus Seth and the winner. Get, and Seth can bitch and moan and complain. He can cut more of those Joker style promos. They can have that same match and Seth wins. And we talk about the situation in much higher esteem than I'm talking about it now. I agree with that 100%. I will say one more thing further. We all talk about how big he got. So we know who I think, and again, I, mean, I could be wrong, but you know who looks like really got screwed in the, in the whole equation? Kevin Owens, because he was not on TV at all. No, he wasn't, but he, he just, he, he resigned. He all right. He said Gary's family. He said Gary's family. He a family, he a family man. We don't got to worry about that. What happened? He was just involved in the major storyline, and now. Hey, man, hey, I mean, listen, uh, yeah, but we don't got, but see. Here's no, the thing. maybe, okay. maybe that will be wrong, and here's what I'm hoping. Maybe we won't see him on TV for the next two weeks. He comes in, interferes in the match with Roman. That would be I mean, a cool yeah, way he, of doing it because that, that would be then a, you know you don't see it coming and you forget about Kevin Owens. Boom, he comes back. That could be a, that could be a cool thing, or maybe he could do something else, like work with, uh, you know, Damian Priest and get some heat on that thing. You know, I mean, like there are there are mirrored, but again, here's their problem. And again, for as much as I'll criticize them, I'll say, hey, I like the fact they're 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 staying the course with Damian Priest, even though their their switch up of persona has done him no favors. And they're still doing a terrible time of explaining that most specifically because his entrance music is not nearly as cool as the song that he had before. And entrance music actually does matter in pro wrestling. Uh, But it's like, yo, like. You know, yeah, get some heat on that thing because that title is elevated. So you could do a lot with things like that. But here's the thing. They focus in on a couple dudes at a time. They shuffle dudes out, shuffle dudes in, move guys who are like legit made eventers, world champions, put them at the bottom of the card on the kickoff show and just be like, yeah, nigga, be there. That's good for you. When it's like, no, you got to keep these dudes in the mix. I'm not saying they got like, why we had, listen, if everything is everything, why we had Sheamus versus Roman yet? where you get some heat on Sheamus for whatever purpose and then fill a month or two on that just to fill it just because you got the guys there of all the people of all the talent that you guys don't want to bring up that you guys consistently keep your thumb on when they're naturally getting over with the audience look at the ones you've actually invested in that you put time in and titles into and you don't even want to use so many of them for them same purposes it's nonsensical because she, because I think Royal Rumble is a big deal. They know it's a big pay per view. They know it's a lot. A lot of people listen. There's three types of people. There are people who watch. Well, four, I guess. Uh, one, the people who only watch WrestleMania, people who watch wrestling between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, people who watch all year long, and people who don't watch. 
And they know, again, like I said, people that are now they're catering to the crowd that's watched between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. That's the time when they tune in for wrestling. And they want to deliver the biggest match possible. And again, right now, Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns is bigger than uh, than Sheamus versus it, Roman Reigns. That, yeah, that's no, no, that's no, why. No, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with it necessarily, but I think that's the logic behind it. Oh, no, no, no. I agree with that 100%. That's just because of how they booked Sheamus. That's just because of how they booked him after he lost the title. And also, like, you know, in, like some injuries, whatever else. But if you keep a person strong, you do have the option. Now, the reason, the real reason, as we know, that we're actually getting this match at the Royal Rumbles because Drew's hurt. So mm -hmm. it's like, all right, now that's a real thing too. But again, while we, again, you could have booked Drew better so that even when this moment happens, it, it matters more. We remember the shit from a year ago. Don't act like we don't remember the shit from a year ago, from 18 months ago, because it has a direct impact on what you do every single quarter. It has a direct impact on those things. So yeah, we get in Roman Seth because it's the best match they can give us, but that is speaking to the lack of depth that they have on that main event roster as it most specifically relates to Roman Reigns because they have mortgaged everything on that man and look at where they are now. That's not an even indictment on him. That's an indictment on how they, how they I'm sorry, how they write their television. Yeah, I, I do not argue with you on that point. I will say this though, I'm excited for the Rumble. Can't lie. I'm I'm excited to watch uh, Bobby Lashley uh, go in there, and uh, and for the hurt lock to get broken, and then for him to get F5, so that the narrative of Bro uh, Bobby Lashley being a Brock Lesnar wannabe can continue. Even though uh, wrestling wise, his record was equally as effective as Brock Lesnar's, and his MMA record was far superior than Brock Lesnar's, and never got uh, popped for banned substances while he was a mixed martial artist. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm excited for all of it. I think, again, the Royal Rumble card looks pretty dope to me so far. Um, let's move on. I don't know. We got to talk about NXT, New Year's Evil. I thought it was really, really, really strong uh, special um, outside of the, the women's match, which, again, that's kind of been the theme, I think. There were some good women's matches. Let me not say that because... I think the last night's triple threat match was really good. I thought, uh, like I said, Britt Baker, Riho was good. I thought Charlotte versus Naomi was excellent, uh, to be honest with you. And again, they keep telling the, the story of Naomi, probably the second best uh, storyline they're telling right now on SmackDown outside of the main event scene. Uh, the I thought the, the there were also a couple of just really bad, you know, the, the Cora Jade Cargill uh, combo, we just have not, we didn't really deliver this the, uh, so far this month. Everything else, though, on New Year's Eve, I thought was excellent. Um, I thought, I thought, I think Carmelo Hayes and Roderick Strong were just so, so good. I, I, Roderick Strong might be, I mean, it's between Roderick Strong and Kyle Raleigh, and they're very different, but they're, they were always my two favorite guys, uh, in the ring as far as that, you know, undisputed era. Um, and just excellent, excellent. Mm -hmm. Uh, workers not really so good on the promo, unfortunately. Uh, Carmelo is matched him in the ring and and he's excellent on the promo and, and, and he's got Trick Williams who's even better on the promo. I, I really love what they're doing with him and the way they're booking him and the fact that again yeah, now you are in the real conversation for who's the A champion of the show and I think that's kind of the clash we're going to see next between Carmelo and Braun Breaker who of course beat Tommaso Ciampa in that game. I thought it was a really really cool match. Uh, I thought the accidental cut on, on Tommaso Ciampa added like 5% of excitement to this match. It was just, again, it looked really cool. It was a minor block cut, made it look like war paint over his eye as he was, you know, uh, trying his best to uh, to stop the physical freak that is Braun Breaker from taking his title ultimately unsuccessfully. Um, 
And of course, yeah, I thought uh, again, anytime we have Walter, which should be more often now, apparently Walter is in the United States. I thought Walter versus Riddle, uh, they fought each other numerous times in the Indies. If you haven't seen, I highly recommend going out of your way and checking it out. But the entire Imperium versus MSK match, I thought it was really, really fun as well. <clears throat> yeah, I thought they had a solid night of, of wrestling. Uh, I thought Carmelo Hayes versus Roderick Strong was very good. Roderick Strong's has been a tremendous hand for like, dude, like close to 20 years now. People have to, he's a young guy. He's, you know, he's 38. And I do say he's a young guy because that is young. But when you factor in how long he's been around and I mean, that dude has just been so good for so long and he hasn't slipped up. His body has stayed. I mean, he's one of the, again, there's this whole trend of dudes who just get into their late thirties and forties, just staying just jacked. As all because they don't have they don't want to eat good food ever because of it. And 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 shouts to him. <clears throat> I think that's tremendous. <clears throat> I think Carmelo Hayes is just what NXT kind of needs in a way. Um, and I think that uh they understand that and they're they're putting the rocket to him in there. He's only been at it seven years, he's very good. Um, we'll see how much better he can become. I thought, yeah, the six-man tag, I thought that was pretty cool um for what it was i like riddle and msk like they jive really well so they were perfect compliments to each other uh can't wait to see what they do with volter but you know if they i just hope that you know vince listen if you don't got abs vince tends to have a problem with your body so i'm hoping he can send and there have been clips of volter like in the gym trying to tone up and everything and you know i i hope i hope i hope so man because like i said man like i like I told y'all before, I didn't want Vince to set eyes on Tony Storm ever. And then he did, and it was over. So hopefully this is different. I thought the triple threat match with Mandy Rose, I thought the booking of that was wrong insofar as it shouldn't have been a triple threat. Please just do Mandy Rose versus Raquel Gonzalez and do some screwy shit with, uh, with toxic attraction that Mandy, like you were adding in too, too many cooks and no one in there is, is a good enough ring worker to really to just make the match cohesive you know because mandy i think for the women's division in terms of what they want i'm a mandy fan she's got the perfect gimmick for that brand she has gotten better in ring but she's not there at that level yet to where but everything else her promo the character all that stuff it's coming together like they want to come together but you can't put too much green in there and then expect the whole thing to come out well. It's going to come out a little clunky. It should have just been a one-on-one -on -one situation. And then they they screw Raquel Gonzalez. Like, you just, you just screw her. And you do it in the most absurd ways to give Raquel every conceivable out. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I did like the, uh, the having uh, Mandy come in on the, on the, on the, the, in the helicopter. Yeah. We saw that with, with Ric Flair back in the day, Charlotte Flair and all that other stuff. I thought, you know, that was cool. Um, the main event, I thought that was easily uh, Braun Breakers, of course, his best match to date um, because in Tommaso so good that, uh, you know, I was like, oh man, is Tommaso going to get it? You know, like he did some sneak. He really, again, Tommaso is one of those other workers, you know, his neck kind of ages him a bit, but he's so smart in that ring. And he does so many, not even sneaky things, just veteran uh, things that really, really uh, work out and that made the match good. And of course, we saw the Steiner recliner, which Tommaso uh, tapped to. And after Braun Breaker uh, breaking the NXT logo in his entrance, uh, NXT, as you knew it, is dead and buried. Uh, accept it. Uh, you will not get it back. It is over. And then you have to like this version that you like. Be prepared to see more of Von Wagner 
and Grayson Waller. And, I like Grayson Waller. And, you I know, know but you have, yeah, but you have terrible taste in some things, weirdly. So I put that I put that on you. Grayson could become good. He certainly isn't now, but he's serviceable. Um, but yeah, like as that's, a promo, as a promo, as a, pro, as a as a promo, yeah, he's serviceable. But in rain, like, but you know, his his attire is is terrible. Well, let's um, see. That's we'll see. His, I mean, we'll we'll see tonight. He's having a match against AJ Styles tonight. If he can't deliver with that, if it's not even a good match, I no, think it's, it's gonna we, be. I it's gonna be. It's it's gonna be good. AJ's there. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna. AJ's there. It's gonna so be fine. He, okay, it's gonna be so, fine. So, so, but, but if he can deliver a good match and he's a good promo, like he's fine and he's still young. He's good. Oh, no, he's, no, he's no. Good Here's what I'm saying. No, no. He's he's gonna be fine. It, to say that like this is something that is enjoyable. No, of course not. To compare to what I have seen, you're saying, and you're correctly saying this. You're saying, why can't you like what they're giving you now? And I'm saying because I know what they have given me. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh no, this is this is clearly uh, steps down. If we were being 100 percent honest, I do not know. Even back in when I loved NXT, I don't know how many promos especially early in their nxt careers were significantly better than uh than what grayson waller's doing i mean some people learned and you know be, like johnny gargano was not good on the mic either until no he was amazing no. in the ring he would come no, up, but yeah yeah you disagree see, with me we're... you think i'm no, wrong be, yeah be, no because it's because it's again i do think it's about how one how we use the minutes that we give that okay. like grayson waller is going to get more time to talk he is the heel for the fresh white meat baby face historically a little secret not all of them are like these bang buster promos that just can knock everything out of the park that's not their appeal their appeal is they can put cohesive sentences together and you believe in them and then you see them fight from underneath right you saw it with brett you even saw it with sean people forget sean was not this amazing promo he wasn't sean was that white me it's my dream and i'm gonna do this and i'm fighting everyone's bigger than me and all sting is another example sting was charismatic so while rick flair would sit there and talk for four and a half minutes sting was 45 to 50 seconds because less is more in these instances so yeah Grayson Waller can can cut promos and everything but he's supposed to he's a heel he probably hangs out with LA Knight showing him how to talk like you know and they don't and LA Knight can I don't well, want to ask they're getting back to it so when so when Man. LA but we'll see but when LA Knight has a match with Grayson Waller it becomes a bigger deal because Grayson Waller now has become a bigger deal they have a, a, an issue stemming from uh, the last time we saw L.A. Knight on television. So I think L.A. Knight is going to be back, and he's probably just taking a break, uh, you know, in real life. Um, yeah, I mean, he probably, probably needs to. Mm. I Again, I to, to talk on NXT again, I, I've, I've said before, I think NXT, that, that's what got me, like, really to become a hardcore fan again, is watching this, the, the previous version of NXT. Like I said, watching Sami Zayn's Redemption storyline. Got me to check out his matches in Ring of Honor. Got me go to go back, and again made me become made me start looking at Ring of Honor. Made me start watching Chikara. Uh, then you know made my way to New Japan, etc. So uh, this NXT, I was a huge, huge fan of it, and, um, and but I also understand why. And again, I, I, am I sad that we're no longer game this version of it? Yeah, um, I think uh the the takeovers especially is just some of the best wrestling specials i've ever seen period um i thought week to week basis it was only one hour show uh for most of it uh it was always booked smart excellently uh to their performance strengths to you know get to your point i do think some of you know the promos a lot the people they build around never really learn how to cut a promo i mean adrian neville shout out to neville uh as a baby face i think it's important to point out was a champion of that brand for a year and a half um 
and you know never really became a, 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 a anything besides like I said being able to put sentences together yeah, but because he was because he was the proud champion he was like he the proud yeah, he didn't need to. I mean, because everything he said was real. And again, like Bret Hart, everything I say is real. And then it just so happens when I go into the ring, I'm putting on the best matches that you've ever seen in your life. And you're tuning in for that. You're tuning in for that. And I'm not smacking my thigh nearly as much as what you're going to see come down the pike in the next two years, which wound up being the truth. But again, I thought NXT, like I said, on just on a week to week basis, on on a quarter to quarter basis, with their takeover specials, was probably my favorite wrestling I've ever seen. Like, like honestly. Um, and again, I thought that you know the DIY feud, uh, like I said, same thing in Redemption storyline is just as good as anything in wrestling. So uh, of course I will miss it. That being said, I I gotta be honest, I'm currently at least entertained by the version of wrestling that they give us in XT 2.0. And I thought, again, New Year's Eve will show that they can still deliver good wrestling shows. Now, how long is that going to last? I have no idea. I have no idea what's next for Roderick Strong. I have no idea what's next for uh, Tommaso Ciampa. I have no idea what is next for Pete Dunne. Um, it sounds like Walter is going to be around for a while. Hopefully, he will be. Um, I mean, it's But as far as – I do agree with you. As far as, like, the young talent, look, Braun Breaker has it. Carmelo Hayes has it. Everybody else, they, uh, you know, they have some, you know, uh, segment or at least they, you know, some are good promos. You work in the ring. Some are good in the ring. You work on the promos. We'll see. Right. I yeah, This is this is going to be a continuation of them fitting square pegs into round holes and squitting fair square pegs into some pegs that fit perfectly. Um, because the reality of this is, yeah, for the young guys like Carmelo and whatever, Pete Dunn, same age. <laughs> be done the same fucking age and Johnny Gargano's in his early thirties and, and uh, Kyle O'Reilly is, you know, was a young dude as well. And they were told, yeah, man, we don't really have anything for you. Um, which, which is fair to say to a person, let me be clear. It's a fair thing to say to a person, but it's also just a, a, an aggressive short-sightedness when in a lot of instances, aside from Von Wagner and to a lesser degree, Grayson Waller, even though it's kind of like lankier, um, you know, like, Carmelo Hayes ain't no bigger than Pete Dunn. It's just like if so, it's, it's so we're talking about aesthetics or whatever else. Like, okay, no, that's not it at all. It's just maybe you think they're not hip enough, which I, I don't think that Vince knows what hip is. I don't I, think no, that, I, I, in Carmelo Hayes specific, I think is the promo. I think yeah, yeah. they're fine with so, his size because he literally Carmelo Hayes is just. I think he's, he's becoming more and more a can miss prospect. Yeah, no, no, he's 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 very very talented thus far, and also like it ain't surprising. Black dudes can talk. A lot of us just have that gift of gab because you just kind of have to. Like that's just kind of what it is. So I'm not surprised about that. That is not confusing me. Only only black dude apparently who can't talk is Ricochet, and Ricochet don't even be, need to be talking that much. He's from Kentucky, so he can't. He it's not that Ricochet can't talk. If he was born anywhere else but Kentucky, he'd feel comfortable talking. But he was born where he was born, so he didn't talk too much because he I knew mean, if he did. Cruz never said anything interesting until he got the Nigerian accent either. So, but Apollo Cruz could always say things interesting but keep in mind again we got to go back to the original point this is a company that micromanages every word that you say except for a couple talents so it the, the onus was never on apollo cruz the onus is not on a lot of these dudes it's like hey man no all of a sudden yeah, yeah i want to do no, an they, accent again, they, one of the guys they gave the mic to and then back in the day in nxt and it was some very mixed results i was there yeah, i was so, there yeah. 
Yeah, uh, guess what? Same thing with Roman Reigns. That didn't stop him from doing nothing. Like, this guy put, cut, fair, cut suffering, suck, suffering suckatash. This man, cut, again, I, because oh, you're going back to it, that man cut terrible promos for half a decade. Y'all not about to say nothing to me. I reject the premise. I reject the premise. I reject a premise that fails that now you say since it's presented correctly, it wipes clean all that stuff beforehand. You can't lie to me about history. They're going to sit there and tell you January 6th didn't happen neither in another year. So I, I don't fall for that neither. So I reject the premise outright. I reject the premise outright. You can't lie to me. You cannot do it. I will not be lied to. There are a bit, it's again, it's never, it's for the record, especially when I do apologize to, to our Jizz Village family. It's, we don't mean the political. I'm just giving you a point of comparison. When it comes to promos and that company, it doesn't really matter. They pick and choose as they see fit. It does not matter. There's been too much evidence to suggest that. Look at a guy like Drew McIntyre, a guy who's like, yeah, they kind of let me talk in a more freeform way. He just happens to be very charismatic and the people like him because he's a big guy who whoops ass. So he doesn't have to say crazy, crazy things. He's just good at saying things. Um, but you look at other guys that were bang up promos. Dolph Ziggler could cut promos and they just wouldn't do nothing with them. And even when he started knocking the promos out the park, they were still like, yeah, but you're the guy that's in this position and nothing's supposed to move you out of there. They pick and choose as they see fit, not even in terms of what the quarter numbers look like, just in terms of what they like. And that's fine. But we need to, and, we and, need and to, to point be out. able to say, um, no, I'm not. But I'll watch it because I don't I don't hate it. Um, I do like Carmelo. Um, I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with Diamond Mind. I like them, but I don't know what their purpose is um, at this point. Um, they still have a tag team oh, division. Oh, I, I can tell you. I, Kree Brothers. Kree Brothers. Yeah, yeah I, I see them. Yeah, they're going I to reverse them. Roddy Strong yeah. on, on the way out, wherever he's going next. Yeah. And and then they're going to eventually become the, the tag team champions. And I do like uh, I do like Mandy Rose. I do like the women's division uh, because they that's I think that's kind of like even though there's a lot of green people there, I think that's kind of the most complete division in terms of just like bodies <laughs> that you can do things with. So um, and I think Braun Breaker is very good and it's very interesting. I don't think he should be done with Tommaso Ciampa yet. I don't I really don't think so because I don't see too many guys on the brand really to challenge him you could if you want to blow your load you could do carmelo but i would let carmelo get some yeah, more. i agree with you they will That's clearly what the plan down the line but you can build right it. but yeah you can build to that but yeah i don't think he should be done with tomaso yet i think tomaso only makes him better or or you could even i mean listen or you could even put roddy in there because Rod, listen roddy the same size as tomaso maybe even bigger so it's like you know whatever also, LOL at the the uh, the uh, cruiserweight title no longer existing, but 205 Live apparently still existing. So that's hilarious. It that doesn't even it doesn't it, no it does it does no, actually. But it's like no, but I it, dude, no one I, cares. I, I, I I've seen main event a dozen times last year, and I have not watched 205 Live. So that's mm -hmm. and I tried to watch NXT UK on the regular, which by the way I hope that doesn't get cut, or at the very least they take a, a dozen or so uh, guys and gals there and then move them up before, hey, yo, before it does get cut. Triple H better hold on to that one for dear life, boy. That's the only that's the last bit of strand of influence he has left. Vince gonna find out. Wait, wait, we're paying people in Europe? <laughs> Why not? And it's gonna be a wrap. So hopefully, hopefully there's that. That is, I think, the most interesting thing to talk about, even though from a speculative perspective, I do believe that Triple H losing so much of his of his influence. Uh, in terms of the wrestling product will be a tremendous detriment to the overall product of WWE. Now, I need to be clear. Triple H, the wrestler, don't particularly care for. Triple H, the person, 
don't particularly care for based on the information that we have all been privy to. He doesn't seem like he seems like a very, very shrewd, smart individual who in his younger years consistently undercut people because of his rampant insecurity. Listen, I'm in comedy. I see the shit all the time. Uh, but to to that. So I won't sit there and say, oh, he's this megalomaniacal psychopath. No, he's none of those things. He's the person I wouldn't like. Um, now, having said all of that as an executive, who actually cares about professional wrestling because that's the industry that he chose to get in. He has been incredibly effective. Uh, and he has given a lot of you the wrestling that you have loved. And he actually has helped create stars on that have transitioned at, uh, well on the main roster. Um, since we appear to be getting away from that, I think that for a period of time, you do have the potential to see a degradation of the in-ring product. Um, and, 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 and look, you do have strands of that for every era of ruthless aggression and all this stuff where the wrestling's excellent. You have to deal with the great Kali or JBL being a world's champion. And you may be seeing that again. Um, and, and that's, that's just a part of the game. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see how a powerless Triple H, a, who, I, who we've never really seen be powerless in WWE, aside from maybe the curtain call, but even then he didn't lose his job. So it's like, because he was taken care of, because the click was, he was with the click. Like, so it'll be interesting to see, like, is this the least amount of power he'll ever have? Again, this is speculation only because we not there, but it will be interesting to see because we are actively seeing it uh, aesthetically in their product. I always say this from a fan perspective, obviously I'm saddened by this, by, you know, the release of William Regal. First of all, again, uh, we have to give shout out to William Regal. The problem that we, the, in my lifetime, the best TV commissioner, uh, Samoa Joe. And again, they, we all know this right there. I mean, these guys have scoured the world for uh, pretty much all the these stars that you currently see in WWE, at least the last five years or so, probably more than that. But I'll, to be conservative, I'll say five years came because William Regal and or Samoa Joe and guys like that, you know, saw them. Um, and Road Dog as well, who was one of the main writers, one of the writers for them on the main roster, actually. Um, all of whom were let go, all of whom were Triple H guys. Um, from the business perspective, the, the the NXT change makes a lot more sense. The reason which by which I mean, uh, the, 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 the previous system where, hey, Triple H owns this and he puts together the best TV show possible with his talents while teaching them how to cut promos and teaching them how to wrestle and teaching them the WWE style and where's the hard camera, etc. And then you move on these guys and you move away from Triple H to Vince McMahon to look at. And then some of them he sees and he accepts and most of them he either re-gimmicks or he just doesn't get at all. It's it's It was not, it, the transition didn't work. From a business perspective, it makes sense that Vince McMahon, the guy who books Raw and SmackDown, oversees them and oversees the way they're presented the first time they appear on WWE television, so that then the transition to the main roster is less awkward. That makes sense. As a fan, like I said, uh, the the black the black and gold NXT is still probably my favorite quote unquote wrestling promotion or wrestling TV show, however you want to put it. I will watch. So to not have it anymore, and and I agree with you 100. The ring, it, I don't think it's going to be a while until we see an in ring product get back to where it used to be. Yeah, it's it's gonna. You can't get rid of guys like I mean again the outpouring of support for people, especially wrestlers who are working on top now who've credited William Regal with their entire career as well. They should, um, is you don't, you don't lose someone like that. And there's not an extreme gap in, and then the product and the quality of the, the wrestlers that you'll sign, especially with the, them doing this, what this, this NIL thing is like where they just get people out of college or whatever, mm -hmm. like, 
you're gonna unless someone's already a wrestling fan and privy to doing that type of stuff and is an, an amazing athlete that can then translate into becoming a competent professional wrestler it's in all likelihood it's gonna be a minute because you can't lose good hands like a william regal like a like a road dog even though he didn't even do a whole lot in the ring but he was a good enough hand that he knew how to do what he did extremely well supposedly um, a pretty good writer supposedly yeah. just from what i've heard but. yeah i mean you know uh, I wouldn't, you know, he's an Armstrong. It, it, it stands to reason that might be true. Uh, he was, he's been around this shit long enough um, to then losing a Samoa Joe. Like, you know, you don't, you hope not. You hope it's not a situation of the, uh, to losing Scotty Tuhati who left, who just wanted to leave. So you would hope that it's like not a blind leading the blind situation. I know Matt Bloom is still there, but Matt Bloom ain't the same as in ring Scotty Tuhati. He's not the same as in ring William Regal, Samoa Joe, even Road Dog. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, I don't, I, and again, I, I don't even necessarily know that you're going to see a group of talent come because Vince is now overseeing everything. I don't necessarily know that you're going to see people on NXT that he's going to be like, yeah, they got it. They can go to, to the main roster. I don't know that you'll see that. I think you're still going to get about the same ratio. <laughs> I think you're still going to get about the same, like, yeah, 30% he feels transfer over well. And then the other ones, well, they just don't get it. They're not connecting with this shit that I've had written for them and the entire uh, match they've had to choreograph out and learn. So I can tell from a mile away when they're about to do a hip toss because they, they signal the hip toss, but you know, that's fine. Again, we will see, but um, like I said, I, not much to say besides, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what, what happens next. Uh, I do think, like I said, at least at the very least, they have some solid blue chip prospects over there to be excited about. Um, we, I think, have to get out of here. I think we kind of hit on all the points. Um, yes. So, there anything else? Uh, anything else you want to talk about? I do not have a match of the week personally. It's it's been too much wrestling for me to yeah. to to say to say you should watch anymore and go back in time. I will have something for you guys next week. Um, I do. I do have a match of the week for you guys. Mm -hmm. It's a match I, sh I showed you a couple weeks ago. And again, we'll have it in the description of the of the podcast. It is Jay White versus Sam Adonis. Um, now, this is a, from an indie show. This is from 2021. Sam Adonis is a pretty good hand. If you don't know about him, he is a character whom uh, while he was in Mexico, I believe in AAA, he was a pro Donald Trump uh, character, which meant he was a, a fantastic heel. He was pro Donald Trump. Uh, a heel like character, and that got him a ton of heat in Mexico. And he's a pretty good hand. Um, he is related to a, a, a more prominent wrestler, I can't think of their name offhand, but Sam's a good hand, and he's in there. Uh, Jay White, who's one of the best workers, if not the best worker in the world, and they have a fun match that I believe is. Thank you for that. And with that said, I think we will get on out of here. I think with the first episode, excellent episodes of 2022 is in the book. Ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. My name is Mike. This has been Satoyo. Have a great night, everyone.